Hi, and welcome to another episode of the MedTech Matters Podcast, where we learn about someone impacting the medical device industry. I'm Sean Fetsky, Editor-in-Chief of MPL and host of the podcast. Today, we're speaking with Mark Toland, who was previously the CEO of Quirindis, and Rick Anderson, who is formerly the Worldwide Franchise Chairman at J&J. They are now both on the board at Cardiologs. Thanks for joining us today, Mark and Rick. You're welcome. Thanks for having us. So why don't we just start at the most basic question and just find out a little bit about Cardiologs and what attracted you to the organization? So, Mark, why don't you start? Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, uh, Sean, thanks, thanks for putting this together. Uh, when, when we think about, uh, you know, the future of healthcare, uh, it, it's really an interesting uh, time, uh, not just from a, a pandemic COVID time, but also from a, a, a high-tech uh, care model emerging. Uh, you know, healthcare in general has traditionally been a lagger uh, in adopting uh, novel technology like robotics and artificial intelligence, and I think it's quickly catching up. Um, you know, one of the things that Cardiologs brings to the table that uh, that I think is going to be extremely important is the fact that they're trying to 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 solve uh, for the the number one killer in the world, which is cardiovascular disease. And, um, you know, when you think about applying that to uh, a global basis from an algorithmic standpoint and, uh, and, and putting information into patients and, and physicians' hands that is uh, far superior than what they've had before to make decisions on uh, a, a curriculum of care for a patient that could save their life, uh, that, that could just be a, a really impactful uh, journey of of, of where healthcare is going to go, not not where it's been, and cardiologs for me is uh, is uh, near and dear to my heart. I've been in the cardiovascular business for for close to 25 years, and I've never seen uh, technology changing as rapidly as it is. And they're on the forefront of of having something special to help diagnose patients uh, much faster than than we've ever been able to do before. Great. Sean, I would. Just to add to Mark's comments, uh, first of all, thanks for having us. But I, I would I totally agree with Mark, which is I think that, you know, this is the future. I mean, and, you know, AI, deep learning, and the platform that Cardiologs has created really has the capability to democratize healthcare, to Mark's point. And with a focus on cardiology, you can make a real difference. And if I sort of look at this, you know, this idea of enabled smart devices that have predictive capabilities that can also provide, you know, a roadmap for, to create sort of tier one skills and knowledge in every market, every physician, and every patient worldwide. If you just think about that for a second, where you can take you know, enabled, technology-enabled uh, capability to have an, a physician somewhere on the other side of the world um, in, a de- in, an, in a developing market uh, be as good as, uh, you know, a doctor in Europe or in the U.S. who has Tier 1 capabilities really enabled by technology. That's super exciting, especially in cardiovascular disease where, you know, we have a you know, global pandemic, you know, that we're dealing with today. Uh, but cardiology, specifically patients who suffer from high blood pressure, irregular heartbeats, uh, diabetes, uh, vascular disease in general, uh, it, it dwarfs the number of patients who have 
unfortunately passed from COVID-19. Uh, so this is a big mission, a big call, and I think this would be technology-enabled uh, to make a real difference worldwide. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Mark, you mentioned something about uh, that, that the, the technology is not, uh, you know, advanced or, or transformed really as rapidly as it is right now. Is, is, is that due to the influx of AI-powered uh, technologies and, and the use of artificial intelligence? <laughs> That's a really good question. Uh, you know, my <laughs> my experience is is healthcare has built walls uh, across um, uh, various constituents, and it could be regulatory bodies, it could be hospitals, it could be physicians, and as a result, it's been a barrier of entry for for high technology that is uh, is is you know not I'll call it uh, standard of care yet. And, and what's happened, actually, the, the silver lining of a global pandemic, COVID, is that those walls are starting to break down. People are recognizing that the care model is changing quickly. And, and remote care in particular, and, and not having to go to a hospital when they don't need to, is becoming not, not just accepted, but almost demanded by, by patients out there. And, and as we think about AI and their ability to predict uh, and, and successfully predict the state of care of that patient at the exact time that patient needs it is going to really transform how we think about uh, that, that particular patient going in for care and, and or not going in for care, which oftentimes, particularly right now, is, is, is half the battle if they don't need it. So w- what I think is going to happen, uh, and it is already happening, um, uh, um, is that you're going to have these these barriers of entry of, of high technology like AI start to uh, evolve faster than we've ever seen it before. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but Rick, uh, you know, one of the one of the concerns uh, with from some that are that are addressing AI is is that you know you can have the most fantastic. Uh, technology available. It could be the most revolutionary. Um, if you can't be reimbursed for it, uh, that that's a, a pretty substantial barrier to entry. Um, you know what what's happening with regard to the reimbursement scene uh, and AI. Do you have any Do you have any insights on that? Yeah. Well, first of all, I'd say it's one of those walls that Mark talked about, and we've seen that historically. You know, is a part of the adoption curve of all technologies in the medical device space. But look, I think that the market's clearly in transition given the COVID-19 um, you know, you know, pandemic worldwide. And so if you think about what's that meant, and Mark mentioned it in his comments a minute ago, which is like remote monitoring is really um, you know, white hot today. All things remote monitoring, how we can televisits uh, and tech-enabled care you know, of patients. And so if you just sort of pull on that thread and say, where's that going to go? And you sort of say, well, even within the hospital, can we, in that box called the hospital, how can we remotely take care of patients without having to walk into a room, whether it be an ultrasound technology, you know, whether it be all the things that you traditionally might do, you know, in a care setting. I think there will be plenty of reimbursement uh, for efficient use of healthcare resources. And I'm not sure given where we are today, especially with the advent of robotics, and Mark's been a leader in robotics, um, 
with the advent of robotics and how that's emerging, is this going to be enabled by AI, how cardiovascular care is going to be able to be able, we can remote monitor those patients anywhere in the world at any time and have AI be a learned intermediary to help have a physician, to help a physician in decision support of how to treat that patient. I'm not sure we're ever going back to the old model, which sit in a physician's office, you know, uh, whether it be in a well care visit or a sick care visit, that doesn't make sense in a, in a COVID world. I'm not sure it's going to make sense in the future world, and AI will be a very big part of enabling that. And I think governments, payers will find plenty of money, and you can, all, you can see this happening already, you know, as payers have made exceptions, they're moving briskly on remote monitoring and also on teledoc, telecare kind of things, and I think we're going to see more of that, not less of it. That certainly uh, certainly would be good news for anybody who has been homesick, and you know the doctors say, all right, well come on in, and the last thing you want to do when you're when you're sick, you know, uh, like you said, outside of COVID, this has this is just general care. Uh, you know, the last thing you want to do is travel, head to a doctor's office, um, even if it's only five minutes away. Um, so, uh, Mark, let me ask you about another another challenge when it comes to these smart devices and AI-based technologies, and that's, you know, the medical device industry as a whole has not been overly uh, uh, effective on, on getting on board with cybersecurity. That's certainly been, you know, I mean, obviously it's an important factor and it's, it's been given more attention, but are, are we still a little too far out on cybersecurity? Does, does the industry as a whole need to recognize that the you know digital health is is here to stay and uh these these devices need to be protected need to be secured the data needs to be secured is this still a, an issue with with manufacturers yeah there's no question the resources uh going towards cybersecurity right now at the uh, manufacturer level are are significant and and industry is is trying to catch up so uh, a lot of cybersecurity has been put into the IT space. Obviously, uh, a lot of uh, security has been put into uh, electronic medical records and healthcare. But uh, you know, industry other than other than um, uh, companies like Medtronic and Boston Scientific, uh, who are doing a lot of early stage remote monitoring work, uh, the, the resources uh, being put into uh, cybersecurity are are still relatively uh, uh, insignificant in the greater scheme of things. What, one thing that has changed uh, is, is all these companies, uh, it doesn't matter who, who they are right now, uh, used to be just pacemaker companies had to uh, go up against in the regulatory approval process, but all of these companies will have to have a separate cybersecurity plan of attack for any sort of regulatory filings that they want to try to get through the FDA. I saw that in my days at Corindus, uh, where cybersecurity was as important as the technology validation itself. Great. And, uh, and uh, Rick, let me ask you, what, you know, we, we talked about reimbursement, we talked about cybersecurity. What is the, what other item or items, you know, keep you up at night? What are the real challenges uh, within this smart healthcare space uh, that you still see as a, as a 
a concern or just something that needs to be, you know, addressed? Yeah, I, I think as I sort of take a step back and scope out, I, as much excitement that there is around AI, machine learning, you know, et cetera, I think it's still early. Um, and what I mean by that, the companies who are leading in the space are young in terms of their capabilities. I think, you know, deep capabilities are still emerging because the markets that we work in are complex because you have you know, implantable devices going into patients or robot, robots that are trying to match the skill set of a physician. And to me, the big questions that are sort of facing us is, will big tech lead this or will it be small tech? That's a real big question. Will it be Google uh, that leads this sort of revolution or evolution in our marketplace? Or will it be companies like Cardiologs, right? Um, will it be, will you have to have subsector expertise because of the complexity of the markets? Because doing a GI procedure as compared to cardiovascular are very different procedures. Will you have to have subsector expertise or will it be an overall capability um, you know, like IBM Watson's capability that they brought to the overall healthcare marketplace. I don't know the answer to those questions. I just think it's an exciting time to be in healthcare because this this intersection between technology and medical technology um, is going to take us to a whole other place in terms of the way patients are cared for, how we track those patients, and the quality of care that we provide to them. It opens up a lot of Pandora's box, like Mark said, on cybersecurity and other things. But I think on a net benefit, this is going to be an extraordinary uh, period in our industry as we sort of grow into this. I just think it's early. And just to add on to what you said, I mean, we may even see uh, the the additional partnerships that we've seen between people like, you know, an Apple and a and Medtronic or, you know, a Boston Scientific and a Google, you know, something like that where there's there's partnerships uh, established to address uh, those issues because of the expertise of both companies. Uh, you know, Mark, Mark, let me let me leave you with this or, or ask this this last question. Um, you know, we talk about the the capabilities and the challenges and all the all the benefits of the technology. What's the what's the healthcare reaction? I mean, you know, you can you can you know, for lack of a better word, throw all this technology at them, but if they don't use it. It serves no purpose. So what has been the, the response from caregivers and physicians to all this technology and, and specifically AI-based based systems? No, good question. Uh, and I think Cardiologs has something special because uh, it allows physicians and caregivers to, to do more in, in less amount of time. And that's what they're being asked to do in today's uh, society. They're, they're, they're being constrained uh, based upon resources that they have to care for more patients. We have an influx of patients, not just from COVID-19, but from all disease states, as we have an aging society across the world. And uh, we don't have, we're not adding more and more physicians and healthcare providers. So we're gonna have to use technology that allows them to make quicker decisions in a way that, that is, is beneficial for that patient and also beneficial for the healthcare ecosystem, particularly for not just the providers of care, but the payers of care. And if you've got a United Healthcare that's seeing less patients going into hospitals because of cardiologs 
uh, AI capabilities, um, they're going to be very excited about that. Absolutely, and, and, a, and a, going back to something earlier, obviously that ties into reimbursement. If they can, they could, you know, have have fewer patients going into the system, then uh, then they're they're more willing to to reimburse it. Um, so unfortunately, that is all the time we have for today's uh, episode of MedTech Matters. I'd like to thank Mark Tolan and Rick Anderson for joining us uh, and, and speaking about the Cardiologs company and the technology. Uh, but until next time, this has been Sean Fenske of MedTech Matters saying thanks for listening.